Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Stephen, I stopped you in the middle of a sentence right before we started recording because you were telling me about your goatee list. We're like getting close to recording. Two weeks? Yeah, for us, we're recording it in just over a week, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. I wanted to ask you where you're at on your list. Have you like finalized it? <sighs> this, this is a loaded question, weirdly enough. Uh, <laughs> pretty much, yes. I would say that like there's the caveat of like I think you and I both want to put as much time and thought into it and really like give everything a fair shake, replay games we already played while also digesting the understanding that like opinions are an evolving thing and yeah. there are games we haven't gotten to. So like I'm trying not to be like this isn't the ultimatum of ultimatums, but I want it to be like here's concretely how I, Steven, feel now in this time. Mm. I had to say, I, I was looking back on our previous list, and there are definitely some things I would like move around, but like overall, it's like pretty much how I feel, I would say. Like, I don't think I've waffled on my past list too much, especially like game of the year top five stuff. Like, that mm. seems like pretty set in stone for me overall. Yeah. I don't know how you have felt about that. I don't know. I, I think the only real big shift I would make, and I, I think you're right in, in, I think drilling down on like it's how we feel in the moment right now. But now having finished Death Stranding, I think that would have been way higher on my list in 2019. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's fine. That's so, like I, yeah, I know yeah. that Death Stranding was yeah. great, you know. Right. But at the time, I hadn't played it, and it wasn't the right time for me to play it. So in 2019, by the time that list needed to come together, didn't make the cut. Unfortunately, it was number 14 on my list. I just, it's, I think it's a really fun exercise because it really makes you explore what you kind of identify with and look for. Like, yeah. I, I think it's like I love doing those episodes with you because it's very celebratory and also just like a good exercise on a personal level. Totally. You know, I want to avoid the like these are the best things ever, but this is just what i like baby get used to it i think this this is the most interesting year for that as long as we've been doing the show uh we, we started yeah. in 2018 but this is of the years that we've been doing it i think the most interesting version of that exercise because i find that this list is more of a personality quiz than it is like <laughs> an actual like there's no consensus as we've talked about a lot and i've been listening to a lot of other podcasts who are like you know gearing up for their goatee stuff and like everyone's kind of saying the same thing which is there's no standout there's no like fire emblem three houses there's no hades there's no you know whatever so really at the end of the day everybody's list is just going to be like what do you like you know which yeah. is what it it's what it should always be but sure. because of the way the industry has always worked for so long i think there are always these like you know huge slam dunk winners and and this year that's not really the case i think everything is a little bit more subdued everything is like really good but everything's really subdued so at the end of the day it's like more of a question of introspection than what games we're good in a way. I found myself in a similar mindset to when I made the top 10 for Game Boy Advance. And it's like, this is such a big library and there's no like, they're all such different experiences, which again, it's sort of like how these things always go. But yeah, yeah, like the last three years, you and I lucked out basically because in 2018, two games that you and I both really personally connected with at that yeah. time. And then in 2019, Three Houses was sort of this like event for us and like our discord. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that like as much as we point to that as like a clear winner for 2019, I do think that's a hot take overall. Like, that was not the winner across the board, but it very much was for us, which is totally. Fun. And then Hades was like in a year of stellar games. 
that was the best one. Like almost yeah. that is the closest I think will ever come to like objectivity. <laughs> like Hades was just <laughs> maybe objectively the best. It's all subjective, but it's sort of like I remember there's a comic where the Hulk can sort of move Thor's hammer and it's like no one can move Thor's hammer or pick it up and, except Thor. But the Hulk is so strong he can kind of move it. Mm. And that's Hades in terms of subjectivity and objectivity. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. It, something about this year I, I find fascinating because I'm, I'm asking myself a lot of questions about like my year and like the way I've been perceiving time and what I find important in life is kind of how I'm putting yeah. the Goatee list together, which are like not questions I generally ask myself. You know, usually I just look at the list of contenders. I'm like, well, this was better than this and this was better than this and this was better than this. And now I'm sitting back and I'm like, what do I see myself doing in five years? Ah, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Who- this game should be number 14. <laughs> I'm looking at like eight different reflections of myself and like, you know, singing different <laughs> octaves as I write down Forza Horizon 5 somewhere. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, a question I keep asking is like the two points I keep bumping into are like, how do I judge the entire experience versus like if I had sort of peaks and valleys with it? Mm. And do I value more like a mechanical experience over a narrative one? Yeah. So interesting that's that stuff comes up anyway but it's getting very existential when there's no clear choice (laughs) yeah yeah that's very that's very much been my experience i'm pretty confident with my number one i would say it's really just a matter of the order and the rest that i'm like Mm. still figuring out but i i'm like 88 percent set i would say at this point yeah my number one changed the other day which was like oh shit it was like a big moment of exhalation you know it was like a big like ah i i've synced up with the universe and this is my number one game of the year and that was a freeing feeling that felt really good to like take a thing and move it to that spot yeah i think you and i both keep a list throughout the year and you can get very like conditioned to seeing a certain name at a certain spot and it's like wait a minute why is that three yes like you know yeah yeah. so my my thing is throughout the year i have an ongoing note i use this app called tot which uh is just like a good note-taking app and i have the the whole thing is that there's only seven notes you can take so if you want to like you know take a new note you have to like delete another one which i find very helpful uh for organizing that kind of stuff so i have one note that is always just like the into the aether list of all the stuff we've played that came out this year and that list is ranked all year like every time you and i play something and bring it to the show it gets added to that list where i think it belongs in the goatee list essentially so like i'm building the list as early as january uh even if there's only one game on there that's the game of the year for a week at least (laughs) um fantasian had its moment in the sun for, yeah, for sure did Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so i've just been looking at that list like literally all year and like constantly ranking it and swapping stuff around and something about last week i don't know like i was just sitting down and staring at it as i do every day just about and i had this moment where i was like why has this been the list for 12 months and then i just deleted the whole thing I mean, I kept the list of the games, but I deleted the whole thing and just rebuilt everything from scratch. And it changed like wildly in ways I feel very good about. So I don't know. It was it was, it was very freeing. It was very nice. And that's hell I, yeah. I, I I'm enjoying the process this year. I think it feels yeah, it feels I cannot wait. more interesting than it ever has. I agree, and I just can't wait for that episode because I think like last year it was really fun. It, that was a great episode. I was very proud of how that came out, and our guests I think added a lot to it as well. Um, we're going to do that again this year, I think, have like people who have been on the show have like their own little segment throughout the episode. But we kind of knew like <laughs> we kind of knew like at least half of our lists. So we're yeah. just sort of 
you know, hyping ourselves up here. Right. Uh, speaking of all of this, there's also, if you're in the Discord, if you want to join the Discord, uh, into the cast.online is the link to the Discord. Uh, we have a poll where you can vote for your top five favorite games of the year. I just compiled all the votes that we've gotten so far. And essentially, like, uh, it's a weighted thing. So you're asked for your top five. If you only have one or two, I think only your number one pick is required. So if you've only played like one or two games, you can just vote for one or two games. But like a first place vote will count for more points than a second and so on. So I've compiled all of that recently and I've been like keeping track of what the top five for the Discord are. So if you're interested in that, please uh, submit your five. Like we've been saying in terms of just there's no clear contender, the votes are all over the map. Uh, It's really fun to see. Yeah. Someone, someone, no, this is not an insult. No shade. I love this. Someone voted for Final Fantasy IX, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Bloodborne. And I'm like, all right, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Those are three great games. And I counted the votes. I'm like, there's, Bloodborne is not going to win the 2021 game of the year. (laughs) There's not a re release. There's nothing. But it was there. So that was fun. We, I think you and I talk often about like what counts. And we sort of have like our own rubric for that but for the discord votes i'm being a little looser like i'm like you know if you feel strongly about it vote i'd rather someone vote for something that they really loved playing that like kind of counts than not vote yeah totally i've been i've been counting pretty much everything Um, yeah i'm glad that final fantasy 9 is represented (laughs) if i start seeing a bunch of joke final fantasy 9 votes i will i will stop counting them So anyway, I just wanted to plug that in case anyone listening wants to do that. All right. Well, well not Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. I'm sorry for submitting Bloodborne. <laughs> it wasn't me. Um, Someone voted for me once a couple of years ago. That I remember really that. Funny. Yeah. That was very interesting. I think I was like number two. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the first. Pick. Talk about introspection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you to everybody who's voted so far. If you haven't voted, yeah, join the you. Discord uh, into the cast.online, as Steven said. I also just want to shout out everybody who uh, posted really nice stuff the other day. Oh, the Spotify yeah. rap thing came out, and they include what podcast you're listening to. And we just had like an overwhelming like tidal wave of positivity that day. And that felt very good. So thank you to everybody who who posted that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm the kind of person where if I receive a compliment in real life, I'll avoid eye contact and maybe scream. So <laughs> this is a lesson in accepting. You're laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> it's, yeah, I must put my water everywhere. Oh my God. That was... You look nice today. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happens to me that that's the case. I'm not even trying to be funny. It's just literally <laughs> what I do. <laughs> so it was nice to like fight that urge rather than just screaming at my phone all day. Just be like, oh, this is uh, truly just thank you all so much. It really hearing that the show means that much to you means just as much to us. Like it's very it's very nice to know that people enjoy this and that it's a positive part of your life in some way that's all we can ask really yeah absolutely yeah ditto all of that i i enjoyed the experience of uh needing to retweet all of that stuff because it was like yeah my full-time job today is just monitoring and retweeting the nicest thing that anybody's ever said over and over again <laughs> Uh, which was great. And my job today is trying not to scream. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Yeah. For real. Thank you all. Hey, uh, would you like to talk about video games today? Are you no, interested in that? Okay. I'm sick of it. What today you- we're talking about icicles and rain. That's it. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at my window and that's what I see. <laughs> 
It is a gloomy ass winter day in in the Windy City. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of nice, though. Speaking of haunted rain, I do want to talk about a video game. Oh, which one? It's a League of Legends story game uh, called Ruined King that Uh came out like kind of out of nowhere, like alongside, I, I think, the show Arcane coming out. It seemed like Ruin and King was also just released by Riot Games, like another yeah. extended universe League of Legends thing. Which I is, wonder if people like in the League of like really in the League of Legends community knew that that was coming. Because for I think you and I, we were just like blindsided by it, just had no idea yeah. that this was coming. It didn't even really get a lot of marketing. It just sort of like drops. It was I just, I just there. sort of yeah. impulse bought it because I'm like, I need to know what this is. And uh, you and I both been playing it. I would say I'm like five hours in. So it feels like I'm I'm, I'm 98 hours in, Stephen. Oh really? Uh, oh, I remember. I remember why. You should explain. Yeah. yeah uh, for some reason, it counts when my switch is in rest mode as time played. So currently, it says that I'm 98 hours into this game. So I actually I, I've no had that too. I, there are a couple games on on PlayStation where it says I'm like 300 hours in because I just left it on for like a week or yeah. something, just to hear the <laughs> music. That happens. Just <laughs> for real. Yeah. Anyway, you and I have been playing Ruin King. Uh, I've been really enjoying it. I'd like to hear what you think first. I think you're a little bit farther ahead than me, and I've been playing it more. I think you streamed it. For a bit so i did yeah what are your thoughts so i guess like top level it's probably worth explaining a little bit about yeah. rune king it is kind of an isometric dungeon crawler rpg experience um yeah. with turn-based combat uh that feels a little bit like slay the spire is kind of my feeling whenever yeah, it I'm, does or at least it's activating those same neurons in my head uh when i'm in the combat which i really i really appreciate it's not a deck builder but it has the same sort of like presentation like it has the like layout and and a lot of the strategy in the in the battles feel like they are a deck builder, even though you're not making a deck. If that yeah, makes sense. right. And, and I want to get more into the combat later, but that's almost not the focus of this game, which might actually be its biggest fault because it kind of yeah. is the most interesting part. The main focus of the game is essentially using it as a storytelling vehicle. They're introducing you to a bunch of characters that are apparently in League of Legends. I don't know that yeah. for sure. They're all pretty big heroes. I mean, I've only played I've I've played Wild Rift for this entire year a lot Mm -hmm. more on that later maybe and the characters in ruin king are like very popular based on my experience Mm. i see for those who know it's misfortune yasuo ari brahm and uh elawi i believe Mm -hmm. she's actually not in wild rift yet but i imagine there will be some kind of event where she's added absolutely but uh because wild rift doesn't have i think they only have like 90 here only 90 90 (laughs) heroes so far and then they add more like over time um, so there's yeah. usually like an event where there'll be like a couple new ones and, and whatever. But those are those are characters I see a lot. And like I usually gauge if a character is popular based on how many skins for sale there are. So like Ari <laughs> has like, you know, eight at any time. One is like her in a band with other characters. Like So <laughs> these seem to be like popular characters, um, which is mm-hmm. kind of a bummer because I feel like this story here is like truly not great. Like I think that there's a really cool setting the voice acting is incredible and yeah. the just presentation and like the lore of it. Cause that's, I think like this conversation has been happening a lot in my life because arcane just came out on Netflix and is like just incredible. Like it's a, like the hype for that show is real. I won't get into it, but I just finished it last night and that is like a truly great show on its own merit. Like you truly don't need to know anything to enjoy that show. Anything, know anything about League of Legends. (laughs) You don't need to know math. You don't need to know how to read. 
forget everything you know about everything. <laughs> Riot, I think, is is wise to look at like, okay, we've we've had this game for like over a decade that has this like ocean of lore and characters that you never really get to experience while you're playing. It's very similar to Overwatch, where it's like Overwatch has all these really compelling characters and like they're animated shorts, but short of like a couple of events that like might go into like trainers first day as an Overwatch, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Yeah. I forgot what it's called. You don't really know like what the story is. It's really just like you're just playing the game. And that's what League is like. So I think it's it's really interesting that they're now at this time, like looking at their pool of characters and being like, we can like have stories and shows and I'm a little it makes me a little nervous because I feel like they're like clearly trying to make like an MCU thing happen Mm. um which like isn't inherently bad but I'm just sort of like exhausted by like every company doing that but so far they're doing a very good job If, if Arcane is like a sign of what's to come yeah I am fully on board and Rune King is like it's going for sort of like a 90s computer game vibe, I feel. Like it's yeah. it's definitely purposely a little campy. I mean, it starts with Miss Fortune, who is like a pirate captain uh, whose vibe is very like 90s edgy comics, I would say. Like, yeah. like a Spawn type of comic <laughs> where it's like, I don't play by the rules and I love guns. It's like, okay, this is fine. Yes. But I do think that like two two points I want to make. One, I think that the game kind of knows what tone it's going for and it mostly does it, but I still think that the writing falls short of even a campy tone. Like I think that you can be campy and still have like compelling dialogue and like I think that there are like I think Brom and Alawi are really fun characters and I always like what they have to say about what's going on. I like the way they play off one another as well. Yeah. I, I, th- I think yeah. like paired together, which they are for, I would say three or four hours before you get another character in the party. Like that is some really fun stuff. And then when the party yeah. starts growing after that, it kind of dilutes that relationship a little bit in a way that's a little bit of a bummer, but don't you worry. There are uh campfire dialogue support scenes that you get between all the characters anyway. So you, you'll get more of it. I just feel like having just finished Arcane, and again, it's unfair to compare the two, even though they're both League of Legends. It's like that show breathes so much life into those characters that previously were like only playable characters in this game that like I wish that Rune King kind of did something similar with the cast here because like these are all like the beginning animated cutscene is so cool in this game. Like it's it introduces all the characters in such a cool way. I couldn't wait to start playing to get to know them. And again, like it's 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 a fun game. We're bringing it to the show. I'm enjoying it. I just think that narratively there might have been a bit of a missed opportunity. But who knows? Maybe it picks up later on. I'm still very early on. Yeah. I mean, just to touch on what the narrative actually is a little bit. The game opens with misfortune. She's just killed this guy whose name I forgot, but he was like a pirate lord that everybody hated and was Gangplank, I think. It is Gangplank. That's the name. <laughs> Gangplank the pirate. Also, misfortune is such a good name for a pirate. Like I'm, I'm furious. And gangplank is a horrible name for a pirate. (laughs) Just to be clear. And I love that everyone was like cowering in fear of a guy who went by gangplank. (laughs) Anyway, so she killed gangplank uh, and is now like I don't know. I I think the initial conceit is you know she's gonna 
take up the mantle of being like the Lord of Pirates or whatever. Of uh, Bilgewater, I think, is the of settlement. Bilgewater, yeah. yeah. And um, I think like almost very quickly, it's like a absolute power corrupts absolutely situation. And she just like becomes evil, kind of. But also you're supposed to root for her. It's very confusing. And that's like the first hour of the game. I don't think it like strikes a tone at all. I think it tries a lot of tones and doesn't like nail any of them. And then yeah. the game switches and you're playing as Alawi, who is fucking awesome. I mean, Ala- she's so great. Yeah. Alawi's whole deal is that she comes from uh, this collective called the Buru, and she is like kind of like a, uh, I would say, like a warrior, like almost deity in a way. She's like uh, a cleric. Yeah. yeah. She's like she's a, like a chosen one in the Buru. She has this big, like, giant rock that has some kind of like kraken god in it that essentially she uses to like almost play Judge Dredd with people and spirits which like riffs so she'll just like go meet a thing and be like yeah the kraken god doesn't want you to live and just like wipe them out and it's very fun every time i love her because her personality is also like she's very like tough but kind and also like down to just hang out too like yes she doesn't take herself too seriously but she has this very strong faith and yeah pretty early on without spoiling that faith is challenge and that to me is like the most interesting part yes of the game. Like, totally. I think that the way the way she's written and performed and and also the way she fights like she's clearly the best in combat as well like every time she attacks a ghost kraken tentacle may appear and they just attack automatically at the beginning of every turn. You, it might remind you of the defect in Slay the Spire with yeah. the lightning orbs. And that's where I think you're connecting Slay the Spire because a lot of, like, every character kind of has, like, three things going on that you could either, like, fully incorporate into a build or just kind of let happen in the background. Yeah. So, like, Alawi's build is very much, like, she can heal and also do, like, good amount of damage. It's very well-rounded, but you can also focus on, like, do I want to have a build where it's, like, just getting as many any ghost tentacles as possible and like kind of because other moves are powered up by that so there's a lot of a lot of nuance there i will say the game throws a lot at you very quickly it could be a little bit hard to parse right away like what's expected of you in battles because essentially the way it works i think it's a really brilliant system and, and you're saying that the battles are really the highlight of the game and i would agree is that every character has like three instant moves where they will happen when you select them so when it's that character's turn they will do that move and then they have lane abilities where there are three lanes one is balance speed and power and as the names would suggest if you go into the power lane you will be sacrificing like certain things for that ability, but to make it more powerful and speed prioritizes speed. Of course, I think, I think the best way to describe it is you're able to see the turn order, which is a thing that you and I talk about in real time in uh, turn-based combat games constantly is like yeah. being able to see the turn order is always very helpful. And I think yes. this game is very interested in the idea of being able to see the turn order and, and how you can kind of fuck around with that mechanically. So these three lanes that you're talking about, speed, balance, and power, essentially what you're doing is whenever you pick a lane ability, you're deciding between those three lanes, and that will say, okay, if, I, if I'm prioritizing speed here, that means that I'm going to be doing this move earlier in the turn order, but it's going to do less damage, or the ability, like say it's a heal, it'll you know heal for less because I'm doing like the fastest version of it possible, just because I need it to happen or for other reasons, which we can get into maybe later. The power lane obviously makes that attack or that heal happen much later in the turn order, but will be extremely worth it uh, if you have the time and the ability to pull that off. Uh, And the balance lane is kind of a best of both worlds. And they are very, very, very interested in having you engage with those three lanes. And I, I agree with you that it's a lot up front 
but when it clicks, it really, really clicks. Oh yeah. And, and the ways in which they're able to, um, the ways in which they're able to engage with that mechanic, I think is fascinating. So they'll have like a random buff or debuff that will show up every, uh, every time you enter combat with anything. So it'll be like, Hey, this is like a poison zone. And it's like a little block that you can see in the turn order. And if you have one of your characters doing a move that lands in that block, that means that they will get hit by poison that turn. So you need to like try and, you know, okay, what if I, uh, put this move, this lane attack in the, uh, power lane. So it would be further down the turn order and I miss the poison block things like that you can also using some of the characters like Brom for example who's like this kind of 1910 circus performer looking guy <laughs> kind of like a strong yes, man with a big shield mustache. yeah and yeah. a mustache yes. His whole thing is like he can push enemies around in the turn order because uh, he has this big shield that he uses to kind of like bash people in the face. So his whole thing is, OK, if I do this move, put it in the speed lane and hit this enemy specifically, I can knock them into the poison zone in the turn order and they'll just get trapped in that and then be poisoned. And then, you know, that'll do damage over time, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not always a debuff. Sometimes it'll be like heals or attack up or like speed up even, which will like completely fuck with your perception of time time and turn order and everything if you get a bunch of speed buffs but it's fun to every time you enter combat need to figure out how to optimize for or against being in that zone that is constantly sliding along the turn order over and over again i it's a little bit hard to describe but when you get into it it's like really 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 successful at doing what it's trying to do and i think it's like by far the most interesting thing in the game for me i find myself i so i'm in what i would consider to be the first like dungeon dungeon of the game i'm in like like a real ass like kind of Diablo-y temple and I've been just like running around getting into as many battles as possible just because it's so fun. And I'm definitely over leveling myself. I don't really even care because I just find the battle so engaging. I have three people in my party at the moment. And what I found is that the three play off of each other very well. I appreciate that Alawi and Braum both have instant taunts, which is very helpful. So you can like draw the attacks of enemies. And I have this third guy, uh, Yasuo, I think is his name, right? Yeah, Yasuo. Yeah. He's like the mercenary guy. Yeah. Yeah. And his whole deal is just like, if you continue to do the most basic instant attack over and over again, you build up this meter that allows you to do his lane abilities at zero cost. So it doesn't cost any mana, whatever, whatever. Uh, it just sounds so much like we're talking about like a Slay the Spire deck builder kind of thing. I kind of love yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Because you're just optimizing for like buffs and debuffs, essentially. I think it's just presented in a way that like from a user interface perspective is a little bit overly complex. So it's a little bit, it's a little hard to parse. Yeah, and it's a little small. Yeah. The font I, I struggle with a little bit. I think it does play well in handhelds. Uh, we, we're mm -hmm. both playing this on Switch. It's worth noting. Yeah, it's out on a bunch of platforms, but we're both playing on Switch. I think there is a trade-off in performance on the Switch. Like you pointed out during your stream that the loading times are like noticeably long. Like it's not a deal breaker, but it's definitely something like worth considering. Yeah, you... I mentioned this to you. I have two times fallen asleep waiting for the game to load. <laughs> like uh, I'll get into bed and have my Switch be like, man, I'm so glad this is in handheld mode. And then I'll like load it up and sit there waiting for the progress bar to finish and fall asleep and wake up in the middle of the night and be like, my, why is my switch on my head? Oh, yeah. And then I'll go back to sleep. It's it's also worth noting the, the presentation here is really beautiful. The, the animation during the fights and the music is really good. The soundtrack's on Spotify. I think it's the same composer as the Ori games. Oh, really? Um, I forgot their name, but I, I know that they've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And uh, really, really cool soundtrack. There's a song called Any Coin On You. <laughs> like, this is so my shit. Like, I love, I love pirate shit. I love this kind of stuff, which is why I'm like a little disappointed 
the narrative is like so okay, especially given the focus on it. Like I think like if the mm-hmm. game was less focused on the story, I would be more forgiving to like it just sort of being in the background. It's intriguing. I'm like curious what's going to happen next and I think the characters are fun, but I I think that like I I might have a better or more founded opinion on this once I have like the full party together. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if there's like development for misfortune I don't really know what Ari's deal is yet. Like at first she she was traveling with Yasuo and like kept just sort of casting charm on merchants. I'm like, I love her. She's just like, <laughs> she doesn't care. She's like, I'll, just, I'll take this. Thanks. Bye. Like, yeah. But then there was the whole like, I'm a monster. I'm like, I don't need that. I, I'd much rather you just like enjoy being bad. You know, like I like that part of it way more. Yeah. I'll say this. I So when you start the game, your uh, save file tells you how far into the story you are. Like, you know, out, outside of hours played it's like story progress and it gives you percentage and i am i'm a third of the way into the game and i still don't have a full understanding of what the story is or like what the stakes are or anything like all i really know is that there are uh there's like a plague of ghosts yeah and i i suppose there's a ruined king somewhere (laughs) uh like that's kind of it and i i'm kind of disappointed in that as well as much as i fucking Just at the very end, the king shows up and goes, "Yo, ruin me!" And then the credits roll. <laughs> as as much as I'm enjoying the characters and I love the gameplay and I love wandering around and talking to all the NPCs and like exploring the world because the world is huge. I mean, it's gigantic. Yeah, I'm enjoying all of that so much. And and I think you're right to kind of criticize the fact that the story is just like zero percent engaging at the moment. I have no idea yeah. why I'm going from point A to point B. You know, uh, like right now I'm in this temple and it's not really like interesting or exciting or like progressing the story in a way that feels satisfying uh it's just a thing to do which i would be okay with if so much screen time wasn't devoted to like cutscenes and animatics yeah. and telling me what the characters are feeling about the story i'm, I'm more interested right. in what they're feeling about being with one another because they're more interesting than the story is yeah and the campfire scenes are fun i think again like alawi and brahm are, are the stars there and yeah. like I, I just like i mean brahm is like a relentlessly positive like himbo guy like he just loves talking about himself in the third person he's from the Feljord, which i do know what that is because i played enough wild rift <laughs> every every character like from the snowy part i think that's the that's the thing it's like all you get in the games is like when you select a character you'll see that they're in a place and that's all you know <laughs> yeah it's like oh yeah i know that he's from the snowy place that's it like there, there is lore, but like short of like going into the wikis and stuff, like you wouldn't know it otherwise. So mm-hmm. I'm, ex- I'm glad this type of game is coming out. Like I'm excited to see more like from this world, and I'm glad that like they're experimenting with like what a league game could look like. like. This is so different from you know, like even like I know there's been like a rumor of like a a fighting game for League of Legends, and like weirdly mm-hmm. enough, I would say that that actually has more in common with the MOBA genre because like yeah. you're learning moves and like kind of understanding a character i think having like a turn-based rpg with like diablo dungeon crawling exploration is like a really far out idea for what you would expect and overall it's like a really great time but i think that the narrative is really the one thing that like keeps me from like really loving this game i do think it's funny that this game has lanes in it through the combat and also in arcane there are also the lanes like there's like a group of people called the lanes i think it's very funny that they just keep yeah. incorporating the idea of lanes into everything, <laughs> even if it doesn't totally make sense or fit. <laughs> I am so glad no one in Arcane ever went like attack the Nexus to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> like that would have, like that in every other reality that happened and the show was terrible. <laughs> 
to me, I, I think that they've kind of like nailed giving the League of Legends fans what they want with that show and also with this game. What I find interesting is that most of the people I've talked to who have watched Arcane are not big League of Legends people. Like it's it's definitely yeah. breaking through in a way that I I think maybe even like Netflix and Riot didn't expect. If I were to guess, um, sure. you know, everybody yeah. hopes for that, but I don't I don't think you go in expecting it to be this like huge breakout hit in the way that it has. Like I just keep talking to people who have no idea what League of Legends even is that are like, oh, if you watch Arcane, it's fucking great. It's on Netflix. It's cool. It's yeah, like animated ev- thing. literally every conversation, every review I've read starts with I don't give a shit about League of Legends. But I love this show. Fuck like, it. Like, I get yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, I know you don't like it. It's fine. But the thing is, like, it feels so, like, honed in for people who are already fans, but is finding this completely different audience. I'm very interested in a second season of Arcane and, like, you know, if they do, like, a follow up to Ruined King or something. Like, I'm very curious to see what's next from this kind yeah. of unspurling. Without plan that they have. spoiling, I think the next season of Arcane will still be in that setting about those characters. Cool. But I do think that there's like plenty of room for like, they've already, I think prior to arcane, they've done like animated shorts and stuff. I'm sure there's been like comics or something. I don't know. So I don't want to, I don't want to assume, but like there are a lot of fans who like already knew the lore (laughs) and it's just cool to see like it crystallize in this way. So Yeah. yeah, that's ruined King and arcane. Uh, two League of Legends experiences that you can have that are not just playing League of Legends. They don't call me misfortune for nothing. Scrub the deck, boys. We're off. <laughs> I wish, I wish, that, I like wish he had like a transatlantic accent. That'd be fucking yeah. great. <laughs> like, I wish it was even campier. If you're, na- if you're a pirate captain named Misfortune, that is like as jellical as can be. You've got to roll into that. <laughs> Seems we found some bad luck, boys. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to ruin this king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take everything he's got. I'm the star of Starbird, see, and I'm new in town. Give me your money, gang blank. Is that what they call you? <laughs> it's a horrible name. Yeah. Get off anyway, my ship. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also, it's like her name is Sarah Fortune. I'm like, come on. Like, just give, like, I wish Miss Fortune was like her alias. She like, she's like, this is cool. I like this name. I'm going to roll into it. Yeah. Sarah Fortune. Sarah Fortune. <laughs> That's Miss Fortune to you. Anyway. I would recommend on. Ruined King. I know we're dunking, <laughs> I know we're dunking on the, the story a whole bunch, but I, I have found it to be really fun. Um, you know what? I, I had another game that I was going to talk about next, but I think I'm going to switch the order on us mid, mid episode. Uh, Cause I think there's a, Really interesting game to pair with this one uh, that we'll talk about after the break. Goodbye. Scrub the deck, boys. We're fishing. <laughs> the fishing minigame. <laughs> oh, it's is a impossible. fishing minigame. Yeah, it's so hard. They're like, you have to find a rod first. I'm like, where is it? Where do yes. I go? Yeah. You have to buy it from anyway, a shop. Talk about misfortune. All right, we got to move on. <laughs> Let's go to the next section. Bye bye. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary. That wasn't funny. That was scary. My, my laugh. Was out of fear. What's up? I have a game that I've been playing a lot that I, I think actually pairs pretty well with our Ruin King discussion. Oh, nice. Is it nautical? Steven, it's the least nautical game I've ever played. <laughs> Some review. That's right. It's called Dungeon Encounters, and it's for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, you weren't kidding. Yeah, this is this is truly the least nautical thing you could have brought to the show. We talked about this game a little bit. Neither of us had played it, but we talked about it a little bit in the context of Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars, a game by Square Enix for the Nintendo Switch as well, by Yoko Taro and a bunch of uh, just kind of like great minds at Square. 
who I would say built that game primarily as like a proof of concept for what they could do in that world and with that uh, set of mechanics going forward, at least was yeah. my thought, right? Is, it feels you know, like the, that, yeah. This whole game is like a dungeon crawler that um, kind of has this esoteric vibe, like a weird, um, a super weird, not very likable protagonist, like a narrator who is like more bored than anything else. It's a fascinating <laughs> game. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I didn't I didn't play a lot more of it after we talked about it, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's fun. And I found that game really interesting in that it released about two weeks after a game called Dungeon Encounters. And Dungeon Encounters is a game that feels, I would say on the surface and at least in the marketing, almost too similar to Voice of Cards. Mm-hmm. The idea of Dungeon Encounters is you just like classic, classic RPG fashion. You just hire a party of people. You don't really know anything about them. And you just go into these dungeons that literally just look like crossword puzzles. Like they just look like mazes, essentially. And you just run around these mazes, getting into uh, combat with things. It's turn-based combat with an ATB meter. It's like old school Final Fantasy shit. And eventually you're looking for stairs that let you go down deeper into this dungeon. Um, And from what I understand, there's 100 floors in this dungeon. So you have to make your way down. Obviously, the enemies get harder and harder as you continue to go down. And... That's like the whole game, Stephen. That's like everything they got. Uh, there is really nothing past that. Uh, there's nothing by way of story outside of one paragraph of text that shows up when the game first starts. It's like there was a bunch of people hanging out in a town once and then a big labyrinth showed up and people went to labyrinth and they never came back. <laughs> Your turn. And that's it. <laughs> Which I find fascinating when you're hiring people, you get one paragraph as to how they showed up in the town and why they want to go into the labyrinth. Like I'm seeking fortune and glory or I was, you know, in an army and I'm like a decorated war general. And, you know, instead of retiring, this is my one last ride, you know, things like that. Like that's all you get for all these people. And you just go deeper and deeper into this dungeon and you get rewarded based on how much of the dungeon you explore you're running around finding treasure chests that give you items. Uh, when you are fighting enemies, they give you equipment. You're leveling up. You're uh, finding abilities that you can equip that are like... Like one of the abilities is literally run away. Like you're not allowed to run from encounters until you find the ability that lets you run away. It is, <laughs> it is all mechanics and no story. There is absolutely nothing by way of story here, which is why I think it's very interesting to pair with Ruined King or even Voice of Cards because both of those games, I think, have a pretty heavy emphasis on story, even though the mechanics are the more interesting thing. Dungeon Encounters is like, fuck that. We don't even need to worry about a story because we've made a combat system that is actually so fun that people will just do it and they don't need anything else. And that's a huge dice roll, I think. That's like a huge chance to take. And I would say, as much as I was expecting to really dislike this game, it is really working for me in a way I wasn't expecting at all. I think the big thing, just to be completely upfront, is that it's like a perfect podcast game or like a I'm watching Frasier game. (laughs) Because like all you're doing is running around this maze and trying to find squares that you haven't walked on yet and just like getting into combat and then going and healing up where, you know, there's a healing fountain on a different floor somewhere and coming back and just like trying to progress further and further, level up this party of people that you have and just like get better at it. And that's like the whole game. And because of that, it's really easy to just tune out. And that's actually a thing I've been looking. I've been looking for like a good podcast game for a long time. And I've I've had a really hard time with it. Like I wanted it to be Pokemon for a while. The the recent remakes I thought would be good. But that game is constantly 
ripping the game from you so it can show you story. Ruin King is similarly doing that. Voice of Cards is similarly doing that. And honestly, I love all the voice acting in Voice of Cards. I think, like, even though that guy sounds super bored, I think it's a fucking great choice. I think it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. And it's very Yoko Taro, and I really love it. But it does mean that I need to, like, sit down. I need to focus on that game. And Dungeon Encounters just, like, gets out of its own way. It just teaches you the combat within the first, like, 15 minutes, and then just kind of lets you run. And you just figure out everything else you need to figure out. That's kind of like Shimigami Tensei Five, but even that has more story story kind of drip throughout but like yes. there are long period like it's usually like all up to you and then a block of story yes so yes yeah yeah, yeah. um i i did find shimigami tensei to be good for that for a while because just running around and grinding was like fine but there's something about that game in which running around and grinding feels like a static thing. It feels like I'm staying in one spot and I'm, I'm not moving until I'm ready. And Dungeon Encounters, I'm constantly progressing because I'm just running around yeah. this area trying to clear all the all the little squares and get into all the combat I can before I move on to the next floor. Uh, so I'm never really grinding as much as I am like still trying to explore. There's always that little bit of progression that makes me feel good about what I'm doing, uh, even if it's yeah. like kind of mindless, which I really appreciate. The combat, I think, is really interesting because you have a bunch of characters who pretty much everybody can do whatever. Like, nobody's like locked into like, this is a mage, this is a warrior, this is whatever. They all definitely have different stats and they have like kind of the ability to do better at some things over others. And it is helpful to equip them with the things that they are better at. But generally speaking, everyone can have a sword, everyone could have a bow, everyone could like use magic whatever whatever the thing that i find fascinating about it and the thing that i think you would like even though i don't know if you would like this game but i think you'd love the combat is you have a health pool you also have a magic shield and you have a physical shield and the way it works is you need to deplete either the magic or the physical shield before you can actually do damage to like the main health pool like oh, the actual health cool so certain enemies like you know a, a flying griffin or something has no physical shield but has like a huge magic shield that you need to break through before you can actually damage them uh, from a health perspective but also you can't hit a flying thing with a sword from the ground so you can only hit it with magic so you're just constantly using magic over and over again trying to deplete that magic pool until you can eventually start using magic to deplete their health pool. Similarly, some enemies like won't have a physical or magical uh, shield at any point. So like if you just optimize for that, then you're good. I, I think it's very, very strategic in that way. I feel yeah. like I'm activating my brain just enough to be able to get through and feel good about it. Um, and as I've continued playing the game, I found more weapons and more kinds of spells that are more interesting. I have this one character who I've just equipped with stuff that does random amounts of damage every time. He has... He has <laughs> A mace that does a random amount of damage between 0 and 300 and also a spell that does a random amount of damage between 0 and 200. And that dude is either like the clincher or he lets me down every time. And I'm constantly <laughs> just like yelling out loud at this dude every time he fucks up because it's so funny. That's great. I, I think that that by itself is actually so engaging that I've been really enjoying playing it. I've been very surprised by how much I like Dungeon Encounters. I don't know if it's to be clear. I don't think it's going to show up on my goatee list, but... I am enjoying it enough that I will probably keep playing it like on and off for a while because it's so yeah. unintrusive. And that's the thing is like it's so quick to load up and start moving around and like have a fun time in ways that a lot of other games don't because they're worried that 
the player needs more. I saw somebody describe this game on Twitter as like a long lost Vita game. And that's kind of what it feels like. Like it feels <laughs> like a thing that's just built to be taken on the road or, you know, played in the background while you're doing something else. Like I'm yeah. never going to play this in docked mode and like have it be the thing I'm focused on. Really? I'm always going to be listening to a podcast and playing in like a window on my computer, like through my capture card or watching Frasier or while watching Frasier. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm really surprised by it. I'm really surprised that's by awesome. it. I don't think you would like it. Is my is my read. I've watched some footage of it. I think it's worth highlighting that this game kind of knows what its mission is and what its strengths are and is so focused on that. Yeah. I think that we've we've noticed a lot where games kind of like will feel pressure to have elements that don't necessarily benefit the experience. I think a good example is like the Forgotten City having a combat section where it's like it doesn't ruin the game but it definitely like there's a version of that game without that that would be even stronger because yeah. that's not why you're playing it so not that because you can't, just like, to be clear even in that section when because they give you an option if you want to avoid the combat section you can it won't really yeah. change the game at all but i think in most situations when you're given that choice you're gonna say yes because you don't know what's coming they just ask yeah. you if you want to do it or not and like what are you gonna do say no to a part where you have a bow that I'm, i have I almost gave some stuff away but anyway <laughs> you do have a bow that's all we're gonna tell you have you. a bow Guess yeah. what? Um, Forgotten City's got a bow in it. <laughs> Time to cause some misfortune. Okay, I'm <laughs> but uh, the thing, the thing that prevents me from checking it out is like the the presentation is minimal in a way that kind of like isn't exciting to me. And maybe I'd feel differently like while playing it because like if you only watch this game, you're not getting what it is because it's truly just mechanics. So yes. like, um, but the idea of like running around on like just a grid and it's like pure left brain. RPG, <laughs> yeah. which is cool. You know what? It's interesting. This reminds me, I think, I forgot like what it's called, but there's this old uh, design philosophy for Magic the Gathering. It's kind of dated because like they essentially like try to think of like what are the three major archetypes of magic players and the code names are like jimmy timmy and whatever it feels like very 50s but either way <laughs> i do think it's it's interesting like obviously it's inherently so broadly speaking but the idea is that like whenever they're making a new deck or, or a new set of cards they try to think of like okay what are the three angles you can kind of come in at magic with mm -hmm. and there's one type of player who they will guess like this type of player just loves spectacle they don't care if they win or lose they want to play blue eyes white dragon they want that like big card that does flashy stuff mm -hmm. then there's the player who they say like wants to sort of showcase their own creativity with their cards so this is the type of player that might make like a themed deck or wants cards that like might give do like a broad action that they can like interpret in their own way so they also don't care if they win or lose but they want to like express themselves creatively through the options available and then there's the player that like really wants to discover what are the optimal strategies and like pursue that above all else yeah to win and it sounds like this game is like that philosophy as a game it's it's just the like excel spreadsheet optimal numbers part of the experience yeah I, th I think that's a great way of putting it and i appreciate that square took a chance and released a thing yeah. like this like i can't believe it got made i can't believe it's out but i'm enjoying it a lot i do know that the game gets significantly harder i've listened to other shows where people talk about it uh, <laughs> less glowingly as they get further in but it's just another instance of like i really want to break outside my comfort zone and this is like almost as far as i could go i guess yeah. in a way like i didn't think this game looked good i was confused why it existed especially alongside Voice of Cards. Um, and uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. I it definitely like it's not a thing I'd really recommend to anyone <laughs> in a way. Um, but 
I would say like if you're intrigued by it, it's like cheap enough that you could take a chance and see how you feel. But that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like a, you know, take a chance with me more than a, yeah, this is great. And you should check it out. Take a chance on the grid. Yeah. I, I think I've learned with SMT5 that like I do have a place in my heart and mind for an RPG that is less story focused. Like if the mechanics are good enough, I can stick around just for that. Mm. But I think I, I in place of story need atmosphere and that's what i think is is missing for me at least from my perceived yeah that's actually it's interesting you bring that up because that's one of the things i've been most surprised by because the further you go into the dungeon the more atmosphere there is strangely enough. oh cool you start to feel it in in because there are so few things happening in this game so whenever anything changes it's like really noticeable it's you know deal, um yeah there's a thing I always talk about. Uh, why I think one of the reasons Mad Men was so successful was that it was never a, like a show that hinged on plot. It was just a show that like was about being in the time period and showing you what it was like and like being a character study in a time period. But occasionally stuff would happen that'd be wild. There's like an episode in like season two or three. I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil an episode of Mad Men for you. I'm sorry. But there's an episode in season like two or three where they get a contract. It's it's a it's an advertising agency. There's an episode where they, they get a contract for a lawnmower company. And, you know, it's the 60s and they're all fucking uh, nightmare people. So they're just like drunk off their <laughs> ass at work, stoked about getting this uh, advertising contract for a lawnmower company. And everyone's just like blitzed on scotch. And this one guy turns a lawnmower on and runs over another guy's foot with it. And like that's oh how, that's God. like the big cliffhanger at the end of the season. And that was like one of the most shocking things that could have happened on that show. It's like in any other show that would be like a random plot beat in an episode that would like, you know, spin out into a bunch of other shit. Like, oh, now we have to go visit him at the hospital and whatever, whatever. But like, yeah, for Mad Men, that was the wildest possible thing they could do, because up until that point in the show, the most interesting thing was like somebody slipped and fell, you know, like <laughs> that. It's so funny because I think at, at the same time Mad Men was coming out, Breaking Bad was like another big show. And it's just the complete opposite. Like every yes. episode ends with like run or like, you know, something like totally. I always had a theory that you could. I'm sure it might exist already, but I feel like if you made a supercut of the last minute of every Breaking Bad episode, you would get like the full the the whole story of the full story. Because <laughs> it was it, it was very comic booky in that way where like every episode ended with like not necessarily a cliffhanger, but just like a big jaw dropping moment. Yes. Like, you know, it, it always ended very concretely. Right. And and, and I so. think I think Mad Men is the exact opposite of that, where like it's a yeah. character study, but every once in a while something big will happen. And weirdly enough, that's how I feel about the atmosphere in Dungeon Encounters, where like <laughs> there's almost nothing that's changing. But every once in a while, like the background art will change and you'll start to notice that like, oh, the enemies are more like fire oriented than they were before. And the music's changed that's a cool. little bit. And it does create a sense of place that's like kind of confusing and interesting. I'll, I'll say one more thing that I find interesting about this game is you start the game with a party that you just pick, but you can find other people wandering around in the labyrinth as well. Uh, so you can bring up a list of all the people in your party, but it'll also show you a list of the people who are wandering around the labyrinth and their exact like X, Y, Z coordinates in the labyrinth because every square has an actual like coordinate attached to it. So you need to go to that actual square that they're at and you'll need to just kick somebody out of your party and bring somebody else in if you want to swap them out. I'm on the I'm on the hunt for a, a cat just named Big Cat uh, that I'm like... <laughs> So stoked to find uh, eventually, but you might have sold me with Big Cat. Honestly, I would go look at a picture of Big Cat because I think that that might be it for you. Let's see. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah. Actually, do it. Oh my God, yeah. 
Oh, you know what? The character design is fun. I like these. I the like character these design's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that was even a factor. All I saw was the grids. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. It's great. I, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I love this big cat. Oh, my God. The big cat's really good. It kind of looks like Totoro a little bit. It has a little that bit. sort of like unaware vibe. Yeah. Point being, Dungeon Encounters, very interesting game. Constantly surprising me. And uh, I'm going to keep playing it. Hell yeah. I, I might pick it up. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll, think I'll be surprised. I, look, I, I'm taking the stance that I don't think you'll like it very much, but I would love to also be surprised by your uh, experience yeah. with it because I, I didn't think I was going to like it very much. Maybe maybe I'll play it when I visit you, when I'm in when I'm home soon. I yeah. might just check it out there and, and go from there. Yeah, um, that's kind of why I picked it up. I was like visiting home and uh, I only had my Switch with me because I forgot my DS. So I was like, I should pick something up to bring to the show and Dungeon Encounters it was. I don't know why there are some games that I just heavily associate with the airport and like yeah. this feels like an airport it's game. It's a good so airport is, game. It's, it's a good plane game, honestly. Dragon Quest Eight is my like forever uh, I'm home <laughs> at the airport game. Yeah. You're going to hit the like one million mile exclusive platinum club and also finish Dragon <laughs> Quest Eight at the same time. Exactly. They all turn to the camera and say, we've landed. Oh, Rangus. <laughs> Yangus, you knew? <laughs> Oi, Gav, we've landed. <laughs> when did they put George Clooney in this game? Uh, <laughs> should we take a break and come back and talk about more stuff? That sounds good to me. All right. Hit it, boys. That's my new, uh, that's my new outro. I really like it. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah, thanks. All right, see you later. Goodbye. Steven, we're back. I want to hit you with a, a, a little mini thing. A little mini thing I've been playing uh, a lot more than a little mini thing, which is Rocket League Sideswipe, a game for mobile. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's finally happened. Honestly, I'm surprised it took them so long. That's true. Yeah. Rocket League came out in 2015. I still haven't played it. At all, really? I've never played Rocket League. I've watched friends play Rocket League. I've wanted to play it, and I have it. But I just haven't, <laughs> I haven't like sat down and done it. I can imagine what the experience is like based on what I know, but uh, I still want to play it just to yeah. know, you know, just I, to know what it's all about. I would never want to deter you from having an experience with the game. I enjoyed a whole lot, but I do wonder if now, years later, it would be harder than ever to get into Rocket League, specifically because people are so fucking good at it. Yeah. I think the skill ceiling might be so high now that it's like, I don't, I don't know. It might, it might be too difficult to get into. But I've been shocked that it never made its way to mobile for so long because it just like it just felt like it was going to happen. And I, I was always curious yeah. how it would happen because it just it's such a mechanically dense game. Uh, I, I think it's easy to get into, but like really hard to master, you know, as, as all the best online competitive games are specifically just like driving around and being able to with nuance fly your car into the air and like dribble the ball uh while in the air i guess just to be clear rocket league is a game where you're playing soccer but uh you're driving a car that has the ability to like shoot off into the air with a rocket so that is in like a sphere it's like a they're the yeah. walls are right like the walls yeah are... the, the walls curve up yeah and i mean it, it, it looks like it looks like a soccer field uh, but the walls yeah. curve up so you can drive up on the wall and like stick to the wall and stuff. It's just like Blitzball. It's just it's exactly like Blitzball. Yeah, that's what everybody said. Yeah. Uh, finally, yeah. Blitzball is its own game. Um, <laughs> so I, I was always curious why why it hadn't made it there, uh, specifically because Psyonix, the team that made it, got bought by Epic Games, which like just felt oh, wow. like 
okay, you got bought by Epic. That means like something's going to happen. But what is it? You know, I was I was waiting for like Rocket League 2 or like something big, you know, yeah, and you can play as a car in Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm a Honda Civic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I wasn't expecting was what we got this week, which is called Rocket League Sideswipe. A thing that I think people knew about, but I hadn't heard of at all until it came out. I think it was in like a closed beta in some parts of the world until recently, but just dropped on iOS and Android and I think is brilliant. I was so, so, so surprised by how much I took to this game so quickly because on the surface, it's like, oh, you took Rocket League and made like the most mobile ass mobile version of it possible. It turns out that's really fucking fun because Rocket League by itself is a really fun concept. It's so fucking stupid. You know, you're just like rocketing around this soccer field with this giant like, you know, three story tall soccer ball. It's like hilarious. It's such a dumb idea, but allows for so much fun especially if you're playing with other people any moment in which you're able to like coordinate and actually pull off a thing in this like physics nightmare hell is like hilarious and great and you know (laughs) you'll be riding that high for days which was always my experience with rocket league was like it's so fun to squat up with a bunch of people and just like knock the ball around and see what you can do because we were never very good at it but it was always fun to play especially early on rocket league sideswipe takes the experience of rocket league and makes it a 2D side scroller which is kind of wild and i think it's really smart the the whole deal is you have an analog stick to move left right up and down you have a button that lets you jump and a button that lets you shoot off the rockets so you can like launch into the air and there are three game modes that launch with it one of them which i would say is like the standard one is duo which is like you and somebody else you know, that you just matchmake with against, you know, a team of two. Uh, And you're just playing Rocket League. It's essentially just like a really truncated version of the game made for mobile, which I think is the smartest way you could have gone about it because taking the full game and trying to fit it on mobile, I don't think would have ever worked. It's kind of honestly a lot like Wild Rift in that way where like Wild Rift really took the idea of League of Legends and took the idea of a MOBA and said like, what is the most realistic way we can get people to want to engage with this? on their phones, on the go, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer really is like, it's mostly the same. You just got to pair it back and make sure that the matches aren't 45 minutes long. Yeah, and I think in in that case, by doing that, they arguably made an improved formula or at least one that like, yes, I think at this point, like League as it is on PC exists primarily as an eSport. Like I know millions and millions of people play, yeah. but it just seems like talk about like, that's something we talked about a lot when Wild Rift first came out. It's like the barrier to entry is so high and the, the community is not welcoming. So it's like <laughs> most people just have decided like, I'm never going to play this and I don't want to myself yeah. included. And that's why I think like having it not only be like, okay, we've, we've paired it back. Matches are, are faster. They also like, I think the the part of League and and Dota, too, that, like, is just so obtuse and esoteric is, like, buying equipment throughout the match. Mm -hmm. There's a whole, like, skill growth part of it that you would literally need to, like, devote hours in your day, real hours, to understand. And the game just, like, takes care of that for you. Like, just buy this. This is the one. Buy this. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. You can still browse, but you don't have to, like, spend time doing that part of it anyway i just wanted right. to touch on that because i think you're i think you're right to compare the two yeah yeah no i i, I think i think that's apt i i'm um I've, I've been very interested in this game because like wild rift it takes matches that would be like 15 20 25 sometimes even 30 minutes on 
you know, at least when I was playing on PS4, but you know, Rocket League's available pretty much everywhere. Every match in this game is about two to three minutes or less. Oh, nice. Which is so fun because you're just ripping through matches. And I found that to be really, really fun. The game controls so well. I have been really, really surprised because generally speaking, I am not an on-screen analog stick person. I can do it. Like, I have no problem with it. I just don't prefer it. Um, I do know that this game supports controllers, and I haven't gotten the adapter for my backbone yet, which I've been waiting for because it doesn't fit on the new iPhone, which is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, <laughs> so, still waiting on that. But when that shows up, I will probably play this with a controller and see how that feels. But for now, I'm playing it with the analog stick, and it feels really good, um, especially considering how much uh, like grace you need to have while in the air to be able to pull off some of the stuff that you have to pull off. Cause a lot of this game is like shooting into the air and then doing like pressing the jump button to kind of boost yourself and do a, like a forward flip to hit the ball. And essentially that's like kicking it into the goal or kicking it out of the goal. If somebody's trying to score on you, et cetera, et cetera. I found that these matches are really, really, really competitive and really fun. I think it ramps up into that. It has like classic Rocket League or like Wild Drift or pretty much any MOBA. It has ranks that you go through, you know, bronze, silver, gold, etc. And there's, you know, tiers of bronze, tiers of silver, tiers of gold. And as I've gotten higher up, I'm now in the silver tier in all the game modes. As I've gotten into silver tier and up, it's starting to get really challenging and starting to like ask me to be better at the game in ways that I didn't think I was really <laughs> prepared for, but I'm starting to like rise to the challenge and having a good time. But at the end of the day, the thing that I, I just find so surprising is like, I will play this way more than I'll ever play Rocket League again, I think. Kind of like you with Wild Rift, like I don't think you'll ever go go play regular ass League of Legends, if I were to guess. I'm never going to go back to Rocket League now that I have Sideswipe, weirdly. It is yeah, my preferred exactly. way of engaging with like this property and with this idea. It is just like, yeah, let me have fun fucking constantly. I don't want to sit here and lose for, you know, 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, I would rather just like have this moment. The, the thing that I think is wonderful about at least the community online in Rocket League right now is people are very quick to forfeit. Uh, so like, if it's a blowout, you know, if somebody's scored five on you and it's been 30 seconds and you have a minute and a half left, like it's very easy to forfeit the game. Just be like, well, you you did it. You won. <laughs> That's good. Good job. Um, I never initiate the forfeit, just to be clear. I will always try and bring it back. Uh, they, they have a they have a thing like in um, like in Monster Hunter Rise where you can like use stickers as a way to communicate and I'm constantly hitting the no problem sticker like no problem they're up by 10 but that's fine <laughs> we'll be all right and the other person's like forfeit 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 but anyway that said I I love all three game modes there's the duos as I was mentioning which I think is like the standard there's the 1v1 which is like just exhilarating it is so yeah. stressful it's so uh, it's wild I I actually thought the duos would be more stressful because I am always nervous about letting somebody else down, but something about being 1v1 is even worse. Yeah. And then there's another mode, which is called hoops. And instead of soccer, it's basketball. And that is like all nonsense all the time. Uh, and I really, really love it. It is very competitive in a very different way. But all that to say, Rocket League Sideswipe is an extremely, extremely successful thing. I, I kind of picked it up as like a goof, not really expecting to even bring it up on the show. I just kind of wanted to check it out for myself as a person who yeah. used to love, love, love and play a shitload of Rocket League and fell off because the game got just like way too difficult for me. Sideswipe I picked up because it's like, oh yeah, here's a free weird experiment that Epic Games and Psionics have thrown out there. And uh, guess what? It rules. So I would recommend checking yeah. it out. I'm curious. Yeah, I, I think because I already have regular Rocket League, I'll probably check that out first just to compare the two. But they both sound really fun. And I, I like the idea of having quick matches. Yeah, I think, think so? in your, I think in your case, 
maybe just check out Sideswipe because it's a much more like low friction way of doing this exact same stuff. You'll have the, it's much easier to do things that are exciting in Sideswipe than it is in regular Rocket League because Rocket League demands so much of you from a control perspective to be able to understand how to like press the jump button and then the boost button to shoot yourself into the air to like try and hit the ball and you will just miss over and over and over again (laughs) for like hours, days, months until you finally start to feel comfortable in it. And sideswipe, you'll feel comfortable pretty quickly because the match is so short and the map that you're trying to play on is so small that it's actually pretty easy to hit the ball in most cases. It's just big enough where you can still totally whiff and like that'll change the course of the game, but it's small enough that you can feel pretty confident in like trying absolutely wild shit all the time, which is, uh, it's good. It's just, it's a really smart game. It's funny because I I remember there was an Overwatch event that was essentially Rocket League and Overwatch. And then Lucio Ball. Lucio Ball, right. Oh my God. I loved Lucio Ball. Lucio Ball was great. As a Lucio main, that was like my shit. Because I was like, <laughs> oh, I prepped for I this. also played Lucio. I was I was more Zenyatta, but I would play Lucio if it was a payload match. Because like, come on, you need a Lucio for that. Mm-hmm. And then in Fall Guys, there was like a weird knockoff Rocket League game. But, you know, as as Fall Guys, so it wasn't uh, very easy to do anything. Wow. I, I never played that. I didn't even know that existed. Oh, really? I've only I only played it the first season of Fall Guys, but that was like a big uh, I think it was like the three on three game. So like it would potentially throw you in a, a game of Rocket League, basically. That's funny. Oh, yeah. oh, I know what you mean. Yes. No, I did play that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was very difficult. Yeah. OK. It was hard. Yeah. Rocket League Sideswipe is available for iOS and Android. I would recommend checking it out. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's a cool video game. I'm excited to drive cars. It's got a battle pass. <gasps> Thank God. Unlock a rare wheel. <laughs> I forgot that there's so many. That was a kind of evil laugh, too. But there's so many, like, cosmetics for the cars. I forgot about that. Yeah, there's a ton. Anyway, yeah, check it out. It sounds fun. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. All right. Uh, you want to take a break and come back and talk about one last video game? Let's take a break. See you soon. Steven, one last ride. Oh, yeah. What is it? Skyrim. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. What's up? Anniversary? Dude, you and I are both playing Anniversary Edition. I want to hear what your experience has been like. Skyrim is back, baby. Not that it ever went away, but man. That's the thing. We talked about it. Um, I didn't. You surprised me with this. I wasn't. Skyrim is like weirdly often my game that I'm just like secretly playing. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need to talk about this. It's Skyrim. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a bonus about Skyrim last December. Honestly, one of my favorite episodes we've done. And I think in that episode, we just sort of like touched on the fact that it's just like simultaneously such a great game to return to, but also still unmatched, even though it's had such a profound influence. Like there's really still not a game that like goes for the same exact experience. Yeah. And not that that ever really is the case. Like every game is, is its own experience, but like there are times where it's like, Oh, this game set the mold, but this game did it better. I don't think anyone's like done exactly what Skyrim is doing better than Skyrim yeah. in that. It's sort of this, like <laughs> the phrase that just came to mind is peak isolation. That's my <laughs> pitch for Skyrim. but it's like, it is just the best game to sort of like, make a character lose yourself in it it's familiar enough to a lot of people that like you can decide right away like what type of experience you're going for are you going to ignore all the quests are you just going to like hunt in the woods you know i love kind of giving a mission to a character right away uh lester of course my argonian who only punched the sky's the limit skyrim's the limit Uh (laughs) oh but uh anyway 
when we recorded that episode, I was still playing on on PS4 like a chump. And then recently I, I got it on my Xbox Series S, which allows for way more mod support. So I was able to download a lot of the mods you recommended in that episode, like Alternate Start, which is fantastic. Yeah. The Rich Merchants of Skyrim is like needed. It, is, it makes the experience so much better. Yeah. It just gives all the merchants more money so you can actually sell, sell everything yeah. you have. <laughs> Rather than like fast traveling to Marthal just to see if you can sell something there. Yeah, pawn off a troll skull. <laughs> can someone buy my tankard? <laughs> but uh oh it's stolen, that's why. Uh, but yeah, um the anniversary edition, it's it's hard to tell exactly. So I think the, it was recently what the tenth? Because it was eleven, eleven, eleven. So it's been ten years. Mm-hmm. They added like a anniversary edition that just sort of like improves the performance in some ways it adds some fun stuff there's a part of the game called the creator club where it's like essentially like mods but it's like more in line with like i think bethesda also makes stuff there yeah there it's it's a more official way of creating mods um and in some cases they're made by people at bethesda and in some cases they're collaborations between people at bethesda and modders um who've made stuff so it, it is interesting when you load it up on uh I think I think Xbox and I think the PlayStation version also has this because it, you'll see the Creation Club and then you'll see mods and it's kind of hard to distinguish between the two. The thing about the Creation Club is that all of the stuff in there costs money, uh, which the anniversary edition, the new thing that just dropped, does away with. Essentially, just gives you everything in the Creation Club for free, uh, so you don't have to pay for it. Uh, and also gives you a bunch of like graphics enhancements and load time enhancements and things like that. Uh, is kind of the the appeal of the anniversary edition, which honestly I didn't even realize when I picked it up. I just kind of got it because I was like curious like what is this why is this out why are they releasing skyrim fucking again (laughs) and uh and just kind of like wandered around until i realized what had changed uh which was fun i I have a backpack i've gone fishing i've done a whole bunch of shit yeah uh which is fun it was hard at first because like i have enough mods downloaded that i was like what is a mod and what is this anniversary edition yes and uh but collectively it just it adds a lot to it i wouldn't say it's like gonna breathe new interest into skyrim if like you aren't interested in going back but if you are like us someone who plays skyrim whether you want to or not annually constantly yeah (laughs) it's just it goes a long way to freshen up the experience and there's some really cool modes like there's the whole um they added a survival mode that's essentially similar i think fallout new vegas had this where like you have to worry about like staying warm and like being rested and like hunger and all that like i haven't played it and i don't know if i'm going to right away but just to have that as an option of like in this playthrough i'm going to try it out and see how it like meshes with the world dude the hunger meter is always the thing that pushes me over the edge whenever there's a hunger yeah. meter in a thing i do not want to engage with it at all <laughs> i do not want to have to think about eat i already am so annoyed having to eat constantly in real life i don't want to have to think about it in my escapist fantasy also but i'm playing as a mage this time which i'm really uh, excited about because I've, I've never really gotten super far with a mage in skyrim like i i've always i'll make a warrior or i'll make a like thief assassin character Mm -hmm. but whenever i make a mage i find it's the hardest start of any of the classes Mm. and there aren't traditional classes but like if you're if you're only using magic in the beginning it's like a much harder hurdle because you don't really have armor yet Um, you have to be very precise about like what schools of magic you're investing in once you like get going you can become a god essentially like you can do everything via magic that you could other avenues Mm -hmm. combined with shouts you're unstoppable but i like that trade-off i like kind of being a glass cannon and i have a great mod that just adds it's a pretty popular one i forgot what it's called but it adds like dozens of spells 
just sort of seamlessly into the game. Yeah. And there's some really cool ones. Like there's one where it's like you turn invisible and then you like teleport back to where you cast the spell. Oh, cool. So it's really good for sneaking around because like you can kind of, you know, do your thing and then you zip Check back. the place out. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is exciting because that was something that I've really loved about Oblivion is like you can make your own spells and just do like wild stuff with magic mm-hmm. in that game. Whereas in, in vanilla Skyrim magic, there was some cool stuff. Like there was telekinesis and there was like some conjuration stuff that was neat. But a lot of it was just sort of like fireball, mage armor, yeah, summon. Totally. Uh, and I like having a little bit more options now. I love bound weapons. Uh, but anyway, it's just like. It's just so fun to be back, and I like having a game that I just sort of like know like the back of my hand that I can return to and still somehow discover new things and now like concretely experience new things. Like actually the, new stuff. The anniversary. Yeah. I, yeah. I need like the feather lightest push of a reason to engage <laughs> with Skyrim again, and the anniversary yeah. edition was enough for me. And I'm, I'm already using it as an excuse to go check out stuff that I haven't experienced before, like the Companions quest I've never done, uh, so I'm doing that for oh, the first time. One. It's like fine. That's what I've always heard is like of all those things that are in Skyrim, it's like the most okay. Uh, but having yeah. not experienced it, it's exhilarating to get to experience a whole quest line that I've never checked out before. You become a werewolf pretty early on, and that's like pretty sick. Yeah, it's great. They lead with that, and then it's like congratulations, and it's over. It's like yeah. what we we had so much going on. I, I'm playing as uh, as an archer. But generally speaking, I think everybody who plays Skyrim plays as an archer, but generally it's like a sneak archer who like is evil because you join the Dark Brotherhood and you're in the Thieves Guild and you're like just joining the yeah. worst of the worst. So you're like, you know, just kind of like a sneaky person reigning death via arrow. And my whole thing was like, I want to be a really like noble archer this yeah. time. Like I love archery in Skyrim. I think it's a really fun it's set really of mechanics. Fun. It's really exciting, uh, especially as you work your way up that skill tree. It's like just great. And I like the idea of playing as an archer without any sneaking at all. So I made a dude who looks just like Robin or like the idea of Robin Hood. Uh, I'm wearing like the whole green outfit and everything. And I'm having a great time. It's the first time I would say ever that I've like created a character uh, in a way. Like generally speaking, I'll start a Bethesda game and just kind of like run in and be like, I'm naming the map for myself. I'm just making someone that I think looks cool. I have nothing by way of any like background for them. I'm just kind of running around and doing whatever I want. I never have any more thought than that. And it always leads me into Sneak Archer. So it's nice to have put a little bit of forethought into this character and actually ask myself, okay, what would they do in this case? And my thought was like, well, this person wants to make a name for themselves. Of course they're gonna join the companions. So that's what I'm doing. And it's great. That's great. Yeah, I, I just like that's sort of the the blank canvas of role playing that we talked a lot about in our bonus about Skyrim. Like, I just love that ability to like the fact that you're not really like you're given that you're a dragonborn. And no matter what quest you choose, like you're the most important person there, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny. But like, it's really up to you, like how you fill the silent moments. And that's what I love about Skyrim is like just the moments that are like in like a snowy mountain with like nothing else happening. You yeah. know, like I, I really like as as glitchy and as silly as it is, like it does feel so lived in and it feels like this like kind of engine that's operating around you. Yeah, um, I just for the first I had never seen these people before, but I just had this experience. I texted you about it immediately because I loved it so much. Yeah. But I was just like running around. I was doing the classic thing where you're like hopping up the side of a mountain instead of going up the path. And I made it up next to a waterfall and there were a bunch of dudes just holding huge tankards and dancing on the top of the waterfall. And I went and talked to them and they were just like, ah, revel with us, brother. I was like, what are you talking? And there was a third guy who was like, oh, drink with us. You should hang out. And he gave me a tankard full of beer. 
and I drank it, and he was like, nice, you're going to be a great adventurer one day. And then they just kept dancing. And that was it. That's the whole <laughs> interaction. There was no quest. There was no nothing. It was just like three dudes having a good time on top of a waterfall, drunk as fuck. And I was like, there are still ways that this game can surprise me 10 years later. Yeah. Outside of all the extra stuff they've added, like that's definitely just an original thing that was always in Skyrim yeah. that I just never found. I, I make an effort to walk on the roads because you will encounter stuff constantly. Yes. Cause there's like NPCs programmed to like walk on jump the roads you. And, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just got jumped by some vampires yeah. recently trying to do oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. Have you done the Dawn Guard uh, DLC? Not yet. No. Oh, it's good. I started it, I think for our bonus episode and I've never finished it. So I'm probably going to do that as well. It's good. It's funny because it came out like pretty soon after Skyrim, like, vanilla skyrim came out so yeah it feels like it belongs to the era of like true blood and when vampires were like in so it's like oh they're adding vampires to skyrim but mm-hmm. it's still a pretty good quest i think um it's got one of the more interesting followers you can meet like it's the game has very few characters that i like remember or like know who they are yeah um but the follower you get in in dawn guard like has a bit more going on her story is pretty interesting and i, I think though that the the vampire hunter quest line is significantly more interesting than the be a vampire one, but they're both fun. And uh, Dragonborn, that was like, it was DLC, but it felt more like an expansion pack because it added like the southern part of Morrowind. And right. like a, the quest there is like on par with like the main quest of just like scale. Because essentially, without spoiling, there's someone in Morrowind who thinks they're the Dragonborn. So you get attacked by cultists who are like, you're not the real Dragonborn. Yeah. And then you have to go to Morrowind. It's I've, really I've, cool. I've played a little bit of that one, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. But I'm excited to check out all this other stuff. Because uh, the the Creation Club stuff that they add in Anniversary Edition like adds whole new quests also. It adds like new oh, yeah. quest lines, which is... yeah. Wild. I'm so excited to experience new stuff. It it feel it does feel fresh in a way I'm kind of surprised by. I've been playing a lot more Skyrim than I expected. I think a lot of it has to do with like I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit more, I think maybe in the Goatee episode, but I, I think my gaming habits have changed a lot this year in that I have been drawn more to the Xbox than anything else, which I've yeah. been kind of surprised by. And especially right now, you know, I, I played Tales of Arise on Xbox. Um, Halo is on Xbox now. Forza is on Xbox. And then everything else on Game Pass, which is just like a plethora of shit to check out. It just felt like the natural place to download the anniversary edition for Skyrim. And I love that I just like always have Skyrim and Oblivion and Morrowind downloaded on my Xbox at all times. <laughs> I can just jump into them whenever. But I always load up Oblivion. Oblivion's the one that I always jump into. And I, I love to have a reason to go back to Skyrim again. And yeah. it really does actually feel fresh with the mods I've installed and with this anniversary update. It's great. I've been playing it a lot. I've been playing it a lot more than I thought I was going to. They added a quest where you go, speaking of misfortune, you go and claim like an old pirate ship that like becomes your home in yes. the game. Yeah. So like it's, it's really it's cool. cool. It's yeah. this like abandoned pirate ship that's like, oh yeah, that's where I live. It's yeah. so cool. Have you ever gotten married in Skyrim? No. There is nothing more depressing than a wedding in Skyrim. It's like you, you put on an amulet of Mara and you talk to someone. Anyone who goes, it's a fine day with you around, is able to be married, basically. Oh, my God. So if you wear an amulet of Mara and they say that, you can be like, you want to get married? What's up? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like literally say, yeah, sure. And then you go to Riften and there's a ceremony. And like the game keeps a hidden track. In Riften? Like. In Riften, yeah, there's a temple of Mara in Riften. Okay. That's just a bizarre place to get married. It is. But if you go to the B in the Barb, there's like a prophet of Mara who's like, do you want to get married? <laughs> so anyway, you go to Riften. <laughs> uh, and the game keeps like a hidden tally of like, 
which NPCs like think fondly of you. Okay, yeah. But it's very hard to get that. So there's like tops three people at your wedding. And like they immediately get up and leave the minute it is over, including your spouse. Um, <laughs> but I haven't gotten married yet. But I, I'm I'm so looking forward to the moment where I'm like, yeah, like we should move into my haunted pirate ship that I have underground. Yeah, it's the perfect home for us. That's so funny. There was one playthrough. I was an orc mage who was like very heroic and regal, and uh, I purposely. I forgot who it was, but I married one, a follower who could also like fight with you. Mm. And the whole adventure, like we went out together. It was a very interesting experience. Like, wow. This is Dragon Quest V. Worrying about a companion. Yeah. And like adventuring with another character in that game. It was, I would recommend it. It was a really cool experience. It's a little bit like antithetical to the usual uh, peak isolation I mentioned, but like it added a nuance that I, that I thought was interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Skyrim, baby. Skyrim. It's back. It never went away, but it's also back. Yeah, it never went away. It is interesting because it's been, you know, as we mentioned, it's been 10 years. And I think the 10 years before Skyrim, Morrowind and Oblivion had come out, which is interesting. I, I think I think Bethesda is making much larger experiences these days. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what's next. I'm wondering. I was hopeful that 22222, they were going to release Starfield, but I don't, I don't think that's in the cards. Yeah. I, I could know. see 122222 if, if they're okay with that, but I'm not sure. And Elder Scrolls 6 is, is, a, is a distant wish as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't know when or if that'll even happen. Yeah, man. But. You, yeah, it, I, I don't want to use Elder Scrolls games to mark the passage of time in my life because like Oblivion was high school. Skyrim was, uh, I guess, college, technically college, yeah. although I had dropped out. And whatever's next is going to be like, I have like a house probably or something. Early <laughs> grandfatherdom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're in the Somerset Isles this time. You know what that means? More Thalmor, unless it's a different era. It can't all be the last seed. Am I right, Junior? Who are, who's like a guest on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was eight and I played Skyrim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, should we wrap up? Yeah, let's do that. Skyrim's still good. In case you're wondering, it's still a good game. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> Again, anniversary edition, I would recommend if you're like us, basically. That's that's my my preface there. Like, I don't think it's going to be like, uh, it's not going to seal the deal if you've been away for a very long time. But if you like revisiting it, I think you'll love it. The anniversary edition's on Xbox, Steam, PlayStation, and PC. PS4 specifically, not the PS5 version. Oh, weird. Yeah, and I, I you know, I imagine that's a situation where... Microsoft owns Bethesda, so of course they made them make mm. Series S and X optimized versions. Yeah. I will say Switch uh Skyrim is like surprisingly good. I have it on yeah. I, I fucking have Skyrim on every platform that Skyrim is available <laughs> on. Um the Switch it's version the is like Doom. surprisingly good. Um actually has amiibo support, which is wild. So you can get like Legend of Zelda items in there, Breath of the Wild oh, so really specifically. Fun. Uh it's pretty cool. It's good. And if you haven't played Skyrim, that is like a perfectly valid and wonderful way of playing Skyrim. It's kind of amazing that it was there. I remember when they announced the Switch and they showed Skyrim running on it. I was like, that's not real. That's impossible. <laughs> um, yeah, Skyrim on the go is like a good enough selling point. Totally. To yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't played Skyrim somehow, that's a good way of playing it. If you haven't uh, played it at all, I would recommend it. Yeah. Also, not to put too much pressure on ourselves, but I have a feeling like a Morrowind bonus 
might be something next year that we could manifest. You've told me more than once, like, let me know when you start playing Morrowind and we'll do something. And uh, yeah, I've had a couple instances where I've like hovered over it. Like I said, it's been downloaded on my Xbox since I got the Xbox. Uh, yeah, I've just been like hovering over it for a while, but have, haven't haven't taken the plunge yet. I think it'll happen eventually. And I'll let you know when, yeah. when that happens. That sounds like a 2022 bonus, though. I think you're right. It does. Yeah, it's like a March bonus. I was just going to say, I think that's like peak, <laughs> like sweaty, shitty summer game is Morrowind. I got to smell bad during the Morrowind <laughs> episode. I, I had the least experience of the three with Morrowind, but I do really love it. And I, I, I'm excited to like, if we end up doing that, to use that as an opportunity to like really get into it. Because mm-hmm. people st- like that is weirdly also in the zeitgeist still. Like there's a whole. Totally. Like, I've seen a lot of people like talking about Morrowind as if it's like a new game. Mm. I love it. Uh, and it, it just it just these, these games are timeless in many ways. Morrowind has a lot about it that's very dated. But again, it is it is that experience that you're looking for. So yeah, gaming. Have you played anything else this week? Or anything else that you're like working on in the background or whatever? Honestly, this has been this has been one of the first weeks in a while where I haven't really played much. Mm. It was so funny. Like we were catching up off the show, and I was like, "Yeah, I got so much done this week. I did this, this, this." I'm like, "Yeah, it's like I'm not playing games. I have so much more time." <laughs> um, uh, no, but I uh, other than like Skyrim and uh, revisiting Goaty stuff, nothing really new. I do have some stuff like. Like, I have plenty of stuff on my backlog that I can bring to next week. One game I really want to play that I haven't played is Sunset Overdrive that I have on my Xbox. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'd love to just talk about that because we're both big Insomniac fans. And I want to see, like, what that game did uniquely to itself alongside, like, Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank. Mm. Um, so that might that might come up. There's, a there's a, like, really anything could happen next week. I'm not sure. I kind of like letting it be impromptu. I don't really like forcing it too much. Yeah. At least for, you know, regular episodes. But, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty uh, easygoing schedule for me. I guess in terms of wrapping up, um, our Tales of Arise bonus should be coming out relatively soon. It will come out, like, sometime this month before Goatee. Looking forward to sharing that. And uh, yeah, in terms of games, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the winter or something, but I do really want to play a Zelda game and I haven't played Link's Awakening, either the original or the remake. So mm. I'm hoping to like get a copy of that and finally play it. Yeah. Oh man, I'm so excited for you to play it. I think you're going to love it. Yeah. It's so Yeah, good. me too. Yeah. I, d- I did a full Let's Play of that on our yeah on our Twitch, which is all backed up on YouTube. So you can go check that out if you want to. That was a game I played every morning for like a month-ish until it was done and it was really great uh what have i been playing i'm still playing a lot of dragon quest 9 uh that game is like really fucking working for me oh yeah i really really love it i've been revisiting tender creature comforts which uh is a game we talked about earlier in the year that has been interesting to do a second run of where i like don't give a shit at all is like a totally (laughs) different experience and like playing it like trying to get into the vibe and like role playing a little bit etc etc this is me just being like full fucking chaos mode on this yeah fake romance dating app planet which has been sick and outside of that honestly dude halo infinite is just so good i'm playing it literally every day because they they recently changed the way xp works a little bit where i I think i mentioned this last week i think last week they had implemented the change like the day before we recorded or something but the first match of the day gets you almost enough experience to get like halfway up a level in the battle pass and i think if you play six matches a day that is a level in the battle pass but then there's all the other challenges they give you every week so like it feels a lot more fluid now it feels like you're actually unlocking stuff and actually able to do stuff so i don't know that game continues to be great outside of the community being so fucking toxic that the halo subreddit got taken down this morning uh which is wild (laughs) because like the game is good and the people who 
I, maybe unsurprising that like the most hardcore Halo fans are like the worst people on the internet, but uh, <laughs> it's funny just because like the game is so great and like so critically uh, applauded. Like just everybody seems to love it except for the people who hang out on the Halo subreddit. But sure, out, yeah. outside of that, having a fucking great time with Halo Infinite, and uh, I'm excited for the campaign to come out this week. I'll probably talk about that next week. Oh right, I guess. Yeah. So and next week will be our last episode until the game of the year episode, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah. So one last stop, baby. Yeah. Hey, uh, just to shout it out again, uh, join the Discord, throw in your votes for the Discord goatee. Uh, yes, w- would love please. to see what's going on. Uh, I want to say thanks again to everybody who said nice stuff. Um, just like people totally. sharing the show, as we say every week, but like sharing the show is how it grows. Um, so Thank you to so much, or thank you so much to everybody who's been doing that. It, it's really helpful. It means a lot. What a nice day that was. Yeah, absolutely. I'm good. <laughs> I'm Do you done. have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> no. Uh, IntoTheCast.online is our hub for everything. Yeah. Uh, you know the drill. If you want to help the show, like Brandon just said, sharing it is the best way to help it grow. We've got a Patreon. We have mm. some patron episodes like brewing uh that that may come out this month or or next um i've got a a larger idea for something there uh, early next year and as always don't back the patreon if it puts you in any financial strain but if you do it just allows us to do more it allows us to work towards a reality in which the show can sustain itself so whoever can do that we really appreciate it if you want to write a review on apple podcasts also nice we've seen a couple new ones thank you for that that's it just thank you get over it big thanks boys we're setting sail <laughs> well, on that note, see ya. Where can people find you? Oh yeah. Uh hey, I'm Brendan Bigley. <laughs> you can find me in New Jersey. You can find me in the yellow pages, baby. <laughs> I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me in the Daedric realm of madness. Uh I'm more of a uh the dark seducer. What is the two parts of Shea Gorath's? There's the Golden Saints Goodbye. And the dark seducers. <laughs> well met. The online.